we are going to break bread in a little while. Um, but first of all, I wanted to, uh, before that, lastly, before we go on to breaking bread together, is talk a bit about uh, baptism. Uh, a few weeks ago, Richard was preaching uh, the final message in our series on Mark's Gospel, looking at that, uh, the Great Commission in particular, and uh, kind of threw in an, an aside about baptism. Sometimes what can be, in, the question that might be in some people's minds is, why should I be baptised? And uh, looking at the Ethiopian eunuch uh, who encountered Philip on the road to Samaria, so actually perhaps a better question to ask is why shouldn't I be baptised? In other words, he has this conversation with Philip. They talk about Isaiah uh, chapter 53. Clearly, uh, Philip explains the gospel. There's actually no reference there that Philip, Philip led him in the prayer. He's heard, he's believed, and then he said, look, here's water, why shouldn't I be baptised? I think, wonderful. Um, and uh, God willing, more and more, that's what we will see, kind of brand new believers um, coming to faith. And then we want to help them in that first key step of their, of their discipleship, as Jesus said to the disciples. Um, you know, Teach them to obey everything I commanded you, you know, being baptised in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, um, many Christians would agree, obviously, that that's the best time for, for a new adult believer to get baptised, well, as soon as possible after their conversion. If any delay is necessary, um, perhaps it's only just to be absolutely sure the person has understood what they are saying they believe. Um, the good news in Jesus and a little delay to find an appropriate body of water for a public baptism at an appropriate temperature, and so on. However, uh, baptism is understood and practiced in a variety of different ways by Christians from different traditions or denominations. Uh, So very few people would suggest, oh, baptism isn't important, but sometimes the issue can just become a bit clouded. Uh, what What do we believe? What do we expect? Why is it important? How should it be done? And so on. And perhaps on reflection we've wondered, maybe it's an issue that for us as a church has been slightly clouded. You might not think so particularly, but if I'm honest, I think personally, maybe sometimes in the context of intro courses in years gone by, it's sometimes been a bit fuzzy. Um, And we want to unfuzzy the line. Um, So this evening I would like to try and clearly articulate our understanding of baptism, and then encourage any members of the church to be baptised by immersion if they haven't been already. Um, yeah, we believe it's important to do this because we want to avoid a culture developing where where people or new people might think, well, yeah, why should I get baptised? But instead, like the Ethiopian eunuch, um, it's just being eagerly uh, embraced as God's best straight away. So, I hope to be clear and straightforward, but the aim is to persuade and convince, uh, not to uh, not to pressurise. We want to lead people to a decision of faith to please God, not a reluctant decision of fear to please the elders, if that makes sense. Now, I'm going to do this by answering, well, by considering that statement. Why shouldn't I be baptised? What might some of the reasons be? Um, 
tucked away sometimes just in the corners of people's minds, why they might not get baptised. Number one, because I am waiting for the right time. Okay, When baptism doesn't happen soon after believing, we can end up waiting for another really significant moment to connect it to. So perhaps, like me, after getting saved as a 10-year-old, I wasn't taught very much about baptism. At least it didn't register to me very loudly. Uh, So it wasn't something I actually thought a great deal about um, for five years when I received a very direct challenge. Get baptised. So sometimes it can just be for that reason. If, If there has been a bit of a delay... Then some years later, the problem is that there doesn't quite seem to be that special or significant moment um, to pin it to. We might then assume, well, God will get my attention or God will get our attention in some very specific way when the time is right. Perhaps through a number of prophetic words to indicate this is the moment. However, as Richard uh, preached, the Bible makes the importance of baptism really clear without us needing further prophetic signposts. So Jesus gave his disciples a commission. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And thus Matthew's Gospel is uh, concluded. So... We don't need to wait for red letters in the sky. Wait for it, there are red letters in the Bible. Do you see what I've done there? Oh, Jesus gave an instruction or command to his disciples to make more disciples, to baptise them and teach them to obey Jesus' commands. And we don't want to dampen or dilute the church's mission by trying to make disciples without being obedient disciples ourselves. Now, I might be totally speaking to the converted uh, but I know, because I've been a bit fuzzy in, on it on the past, in the past, that it probably is actually a, a live and relevant issue uh, for some. So if you have been waiting for the right time, let it be now. Or let it be the very next opportunity, uh, the June altogether. Reason number two, why shouldn't I get baptised? Uh, for some it might be because I was christened as a child. Uh, In his book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals, chapter 18 to be precise, John Piper encourages Christian leaders to magnify the meaning of baptism. And he writes this, I know there are non-Baptists reading this book. I have no desire to be contentious. Most of my dead heroes baptised infants. And nevertheless, he kind of goes on to spell out what he means by magnifying the meaning of, of baptism. Uh, We don't want to be contentious either. There are godly men and women throughout church history who, believing the same gospel and agreeing on the importance of baptism, have practiced it in a really different way. By sprinkling water on babies or the infant children of believers to show that they are part of the community of those who believe in Christ, even though they themselves are yet to personally repent and put their faith in Christ for salvation. So this that follows, is with respect for our fellow Christians who practice christening. I'd like to take a moment to explain our conviction as elders for believers' baptism. Number one, 
There's no example of babies getting baptised in the New Testament. Sometimes the baptism of the Philippian jailer is given as an example, since we're told in Acts 16, he and all his family were baptised. But Luke makes clear this does not mean infants who hadn't believed were baptised, since he goes on to say, he, the Philippian jailer, was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. So they were all baptised because they all believed. Um, so this order of believing and then being baptised was in keeping what Peter said in Acts chapter 2, repent and be baptised. Um, baptism is also an expression of faith of the person getting baptised, which both Paul and Peter seem to teach uh, in the New Testament. It's an expression of the individual's faith who is being baptised. So Paul writes in Colossians 2, 11 and 12, In him you were also circumcised, with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So that reference to through your faith in the working of God, uh, showing that it's the individual's faith who is being baptised, it's being exercised. And also, um, and this is quite important, there are, there are ways in which baptism is similar to the old covenant rite of passage called circumcision, and there's ways in which it's different, obviously. Under the, stick with me, stick with me. We're not going back, it's all right. Um, under the old covenant, the physical sons of Abraham who made up the physical nation of Israel, were circumcised in their infancy. And so circumcision was that sign of the covenant which marked men out as belonging to the community of faith. Now, in the new covenant, entry into the people of God is by spiritual birth rather than physical birth. So to enter God's kingdom, we need to be born again. Therefore, it's after being born again that we receive the sign of the new covenant. Our baptism marks us out as belonging to the community of faith. So sometimes christening seems to draw too close a parallel to circumcision. It's something that's done by the faith of the parents um, to include them in the community, which will get confirmed one day, we all hope, if you see what I mean. But what about this for a third reason? Why shouldn't I get baptised? Because I do not want to dishonour my parents, who maybe made that decision uh, to have me christened. And that might be a very conscientious desire, to honour the decision made, to honour the faith that they and godparents and family were expressing. The Sixth Commandment shows us the importance of honouring our father and our mother, so for some they don't there's a reluctance or there's an inhibition to be baptised now as a believer because it would seem to dishonour their parents. If that's the case, I would invite anyone to consider what was happening during John the Baptist's ministry. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptised in the Jordan River. In calling for that response, John was powerfully declaring that physical descent from Abraham 
did not make one part of God's family. That being born in a Jewish family and for the boys to be circumcised did not make anyone part of God's family. So at that time, baptism uh, was a rite of passage for Gentiles to come into the people of faith, to become a Jew. So it's a powerful sign of repentance that Jewish people were going out to John in the wilderness and therefore acknowledging, I am not right with God by virtue of just my physical birth. I need to repent. I need to, I need to come in. I need to be washed. Um, uh, and that was what was preparing the way for the new covenant. There's this in- intriguing little statement in brackets in Luke chapter 7 somewhere, explaining why all the tax collectors were ready to receive Jesus, or why lots of people were ready to receive Jesus. It's because they had been baptised by John. The Pharisees rejected the purposes of God for themselves because they didn't get baptised by John. It was literally a preparing of the way uh, into God's new covenant people. Um, That's why it's so radical. Consider too that Jesus himself was baptised by John. Did he dishonour his parents by being baptised? No. By faith, Joseph and Mary honoured God by having Jesus circumcised on the eighth day, naming him Jesus. Um, They did what they should, according to the old covenant, according to the custom of the day. However, it was necessary for Jesus to be baptised, as well as all those others who were going out to uh, respond, those who did have sin to repent of. They went out to John to confess and repent of their sin. Um, So if that's the case for anyone here, or anyone listening uh, on another occasion, um, you're raised by Christian parents, christened as an expression of their faith, then give thanks to God for the family that you were born into. However, like all those Jews who were responding to the gospel on the day of Pentecost, get baptised as an adult believer uh, as well. It does not dishonour your parents. Don't confuse the two things. Uh, Like I said about baptism and, and circumcision. Circumcision took place after birth. Baptism in the New Covenant takes place after the new birth. It's actually for that reason I'm using the word christening, really, rather than infant baptism. I don't think it is a baptism. Um... And therefore, it's not getting baptised again. It's getting baptised for the first time. Um, uh, Another reason why shouldn't I get baptised? Because I was baptised as a believer. It was just by a different method. So there might be those who baptised as an adult. It was a public declaration of their own personal faith, but it was by sprinkling, um, or it was uh, with the sign of the cross being made, uh, on their uh, their forehead. Um, is the difference significant? Um, are both methods of believers' baptism, one by immersion and one by sprinkling, are, are, are both are they equally appropriate? After all, they are both a public declaration of faith, celebrated by other believers gathered round and praying for the person who's just got baptised. And I'm not wanting to be contentious, but I will offer the following observations. The word baptism means or involves a thorough drenching. Um, Whatever the precise method John the Baptist used, because it may not have actually been immersion, it may have had this almighty ice bucket and just waded into the water and then it was over the top anyway. Um, Baptism involved wading into the River Jordan and being completely saturated. 
Uh, also, the description implied in Romans 6 is of baptism involving a burial and rising. And I haven't jotted that reference down in my notes, so I should just turn to it. So in Romans 6, obviously it begins with that question, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So uh, that's a pretty clear indication, if you like, of the symbolism of baptism. It's a thoroughgoing drenching and it involves going down and coming up because we're celebrating that union with Christ. It's as though when he died, I died, he's raised to a new life and I have a new life as well. And now I can look back to that in hindsight and think, yes, um, I'm, I'm no, I'm, you know, sin is no longer my master. Why? Because I died. I was buried. I was raised again. Uh, that's the power and that's the significance of the um, of the Im- imagery. Um, so even if baptism is just purely symbolic, we should allow God to choose the symbol rather than do a symbol of a symbol of a reality. I'll sp- we'll sprinkle, which is a symbol of saturation, and that's a symbol of being part of God's new covenant people. Um, and I'd also add, you're, you're getting all three barrels here, uh, it isn't just symbolic, because it certainly wasn't for Jesus. He saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and he heard the voice of his Father. Now, we've got to tread carefully in the sense, Jesus' baptism was fairly unique. <laughs> he hadn't sinned. He wasn't getting baptized because he ever needed to repent of anything. He was getting baptized to identify with us. Um, but he heard the voice of his father, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased, it says in Mark. Uh, and perhaps in that sense, there's a parallel with breaking bread. Oh, it's just symbolic. Um, so it doesn't really matter. Well, with breaking bread, too much, there's a danger for some, too much is claimed, unless you have taken bread and wine, you're not saved. And it literally becomes the body and blood of Jesus inside of you. No. But in reacting towards that, we can just go, no, it's just symbolic, just symbolic, just symbolic. Rather than see, actually, no, God is at work and we can expect him to be at work in a special way, even if we can't precisely put our finger on it, when we gather to break bread and share wine. And by, as a parallel... I think there's the same danger and the same reality with baptism in water. Too much can be said. If you're not baptised, you're not saved. That's clearly not helpful. But too little can be made of it if it's just symbolic. Um, Maybe even with that that reference to Romans 6, talking about counting ourselves dead to sin, no longer being slaves to it. Perhaps there is a, a breakthrough in that sense, waiting those who take the plunge, who haven't yet done yet. Um, uh, or a sense of just hearing God speak over you. And, you know, the spirit descending 
and filling you in a fresh, in a fresh way. Um, but whether or not we experience something significant and dramatic as a result of being baptised right then and there in the moment, we want to have a heart like Jesus, who said to John, it's proper for us to do this to fulfil all righteousness. And that's our number one priority. I want to fulfil all righteousness. Do I have to get baptised? <coughs> get baptised. Um, because we want to please God. Lastly, why shouldn't I get baptised? Because I would be too nervous to stand in front of so many people. Uh, some nerves are almost inevitable when any of us do something a little bit out of the ordinary uh, in public. Um, so perhaps what might put some people off getting baptised is the expectation that they share their testimony. And we try to make it clear it's really not essential. There can be some benefits to it. I think when people have shared a bit of their story, we've heard and then we're about to pray. And perhaps through the different aspects of what we've heard of the story and what's brought them to this point, it becomes fuel for our prayer. So it can be helpful, but it really is not essential. People don't have to say anything. We would gently encourage it. Um, But nobody has to. Um, If you do want to, but you feel nervous, then we'd say, actually it can happen in a variety of ways. It can be written down. It can be fairly brief. If it's written down, you can look at that rather than everybody's face. You've got something to look at if you you lose your thread. That's what I've done this evening. Um, And um, it also means if you're overcome for some reason, you can pass the piece of paper to someone else who can read it on your behalf. Um, It could be done as question and answer. It could be done as a little mini-interview. So, right, when did you become born again? That's wonderful. What led you to the re- what led you to this point of wanting to get baptised? Isn't that wonderful, everyone? Give me a round of applause. Um, so it can happen in uh, a variety of uh, of ways. However, we would just if anyone was considering it, it's something we could talk about and plan beforehand. Uh, how to make it as easy and non non nerve wracking as possible. So, here is the invitation. I know I'm not speaking to the whole church, but if you don't mind, I'm kind of treating it as though I'm speaking to absolutely everybody in the church. We're recording it. We want to get the message out, as it were. The invitation is this. If you are a City Church member and you've not yet been baptised as a believer by immersion, we would invite you to be baptised on the 25th of June at our next All Together If you would like to accept that invitation, please let us know. Myself, Chris, Richard, one or all of us, uh, within the next week or so, face-to-face, email, carrier pigeon. Um, That would be fantastic. We can then have a quick chat uh, about it. If, If there's still some kind of block, if one of those reasons for not being baptised as a believing adult by immersion. If, if there's still a block, then perhaps just have the courage as well to come and talk to us about it. Um, it's not a three-line whip. 
it's just trying to be a bit clearer than sometimes we've been in the past. And perhaps, like I said, in terms of it's not just symbolic, perhaps, or more than perhaps, our concern is that there are people in this church who are missing out on God's best for them because they haven't got baptised in that way yet. And we, so that's our chief concern. We don't want anybody to be missing out. Here's something else with a maybe attached to it or a what if. What if the 25th of June in itself is a prophetic preparation for a new season in which we are baptising many new believers because that eagerness has been stirred, if you like. That the faith in what God does and the faith for there being that clear instruction kind of unlocks something. It unlocks something in us more than just a human thing, if you see what I mean. Now, there's, there's some benefit in just having a slightly clearer explanation of things, but what if God is poised? Because I think that's what he's saying, you know, strengthening stakes, lengthening cords. We're not doing kind of connect groups just to have some hobbies. It's to connect with people, believing, you know, it's quite significant. We got to that point, the very end of Mark's gospel, Richard, and the very next week, right, a, a new phase begins, something we've never done before. So I'm kind of just presenting that as a what if. Can we kind of combine that all with faith and see, I think God's up to something with us. Let's, let's go for it. Now, if you might know someone who hasn't been baptised as a believer and they're in the core group that you lead or whatever, encourage them to listen and to hear it with faith. If it's just the headline... Dan said you've got to get baptised, then all the points are missed (laughs) and the faith just goes. It's got to be the word of God. It's got to be looking at the spiritual realities of things, not just the elders are looking to tighten things up a bit. Well, this is a key foundation. We don't want the church to go, well, you can kind of pick and choose. It doesn't matter a great deal. No, this is what we're called to. This is our mission and we're moving on. Let's Go for it.